Welcome to episode 46 of the Rich Roll Podcast with Terenzo Bazzone. The Rich Roll Podcast. Hey people, it's your friendly neighborhood Rich Roll here, coming to you with the Rich Roll Podcast. Today I've got a great episode for you, my friend and a great ambassador of sport, five-time world champion triathlete, Terenzo Bazzone. He's a great guy, uh, Kiwi. We love Kiwis. Uh, New Zealand, big shout-out to you guys. You guys are, uh, besides America, we get the most downloads for this show from New Zealand. So I love that. I love the fact that New Zealand is tuning in to the podcast and they're completely dialed into getting healthier, getting more fit. Um, Australia is right up there too. So anyway, keeping up the tradition of having guests from New Zealand and Australia and uh, very proud to have Terenzo on the show today. He is such a poised young man. I'm so impressed by him. At only 28 years of age, he has the maturity of somebody uh, who's been around on the planet much longer than that. And as I say to him at the end of the interview, I wish I had one iota of his maturity when I was his age. He's just a very, very impressive guy who um, carries the message of sport uh, across the globe in a very positive way. And I've had the good fortune and honor to be able to do a little bit of training with him. Uh, he passes through the Los Angeles area during the summer months, uh, at least he has over the past couple of years. And uh, he's been kind enough to um, invite me into his little uh, training group. So I've been able to swim with him um, cycling, not this year. <laughs> I don't want to slow him down too much. But uh, in past years, I've gotten out on the bike with him quite a bit. And uh, he's just he's a pleasure to be around. Um, and like I said, a fine young man with a great message who is doing amazing things in this sport. He's extremely talented but uh, also um, extremely focused and devoted to the sport. He works really, really hard, and I'm always uh, thrilled and excited to see him perform. And he's really at the top of the sport. I mean, this is a guy who, uh, in 2013 alone, he's already won two 70.3 races at Montremblant and in Florida, and he was third at uh, the 70.3 Vineman. In 2012, he won four 70.3 Ironman races. Those are half Ironman distance, if you're wondering. Um, and this is coming off in a, of an Achilles uh, injury that kind of had him sidelined for a while. Um, and he's gearing up right now to compete at the 70.3 World Championships in uh, Las Vegas in two weeks. Uh, so he's very kind of him to take uh, a moment out of his training, his very focused training, to sit down with me as he gears up for that race and we get into everything we get into his nutrition. That's, that's what everyone wants to know. What do you eat before a workout? What do you eat after a workout? What do you put in your bottles on the bike? Well, we talk about all that stuff. We talk about how his training has evolved and kind of what some of his key workouts are and what he focuses on in his training and how he prepares for a race. So this is very, uh, triathlon focused for the more, uh, tri geek, oriented of you out there. And I think you'll really dig it. Like I said, um, he's just a, he's a delight to be around and it was a pleasure to sit down with him. So I'm so pleased to finally bring this uh, interview to you. A couple uh, scheduling things coming up. I'm going to be in Toronto on 
the 7th of, of January, of September. I'm speaking at the Toronto Veg Fest. Uh, I'm doing a keynote that Saturday night on the 7th. And then on the 8th in the afternoon, I'm doing a panel with a bunch of other plant-based athletes, which should be really fun, inclu- including uh, James Lightning Wilkes, former guest on this show. Uh, so if you're in Toronto or in the vicinity, come on by. It's a great event. There was, it was huge last year when I went. Tons of people, tons of great food, amazing speakers. Um, it's a good time. So if you want to learn more, go to festival.veg.ca. I'm also going to be in Tucson September 21st. Uh, the event is called the Tucson Healthy You Network. And uh, there's some other great people speaking that day, all on plant-based nutrition and optimizing your health. So to learn more, go to healthyunetwork.org. What else? Want to support the show? Go to the Amazon banner ad at richroll.com. It's on the podcast page. It's on the blog page. You're going to buy something on Amazon anyway, right? Well, just go to richroll.com, click that banner ad, takes you to Amazon, get what you're going to get. It doesn't cost you a penny extra, but it goes a long way towards supporting us, what we're doing, and the mission. It makes you feel good about your Amazon purchase because it's more than just what you're buying. A lot of people have been using it. I get tons of great uh, tweets and comments and emails about people that are uh, buying stuff on Amazon. I really appreciate the support. It means a lot. Uh, So thank you very much. Uh, We also have a donate button. You can uh, subscribe to the podcast and donate uh, whatever you like, Uh, a preset amount, a dollar amount of your choice on a one-time basis, on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis. So that's another great way to support what we're doing. Pretty soon, we're going to be moving into a more professional studio, which I'm very excited about. As you'll hear in this interview, we're in the garage, and uh, (laughs) it's like 100 degrees out, and I don't have air conditioning in the garage, so I had to roll up the door, which faces the the road, and it's quite a busy road. It's Sunday afternoon, so lots of motorcycles on the weekend. So once again, uh, you guys, I'm sorry (laughs) about the audio quality, but you're going to have to tolerate... uh, some motorcycles uh, driving by. And even with the door rolled up, Terenzo was sweating bullets. So I felt really bad about him and all the more uh, gracious he was to kind of tolerate that and sit through it. So apologies for uh, some of the quirks about the audio. But like I said, we are moving into this new studio pretty soon. It's all going full pro. It's going to be epic. So excited. Can't wait. We all get it. Sometimes the news can really wear you down. That's why Wildcard, a new podcast from NPR, feels like a solution. It's an interview show that gives a special deck of cards to a whole bunch of fascinating guests, all in the hopes of sorting out what makes life meaningful. It's part game show, part existential deep dive, all party game. Wildcard comes out every Thursday from NPR. Listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. We're brought to you today by On. I am a total gearhead. I love researching the latest technology for the sports I enjoy. And I've learned that people often overlook apparel. But what you wear isn't just clothes. It is, without a doubt, technology. Technology that can make or break a performance. And I can tell you, after spending two full days meeting with the apparel wizards at On Labs in Zurich that On is innovating in this space like no other with next-gen premium fabrics and just this 
heightened level of sophistication and precision and testing and development and intentionality previously unheard of that puts them just miles beyond the competition. I've been rocking Ons high-performance running apparel, including the long tees, the weather jackets, even the climate jacket, all super lightweight, tailor-fit, built to move, and just gorgeous to get you out and get it done in fleet foot comfort, no matter the weather. I'm super proud to be a brand partner with this impressive team. From increasing product sustainability to improved energy return and impact protection, truly Swiss innovation at its finest. To get you moving, On is offering an exclusive 10% discount. To redeem, head over to on.com slash richroll and use code richroll10 at checkout. We're brought to you today by Brain FM. You know that thing when you have a bunch of intense work that you just have to do, but the mind doesn't really want to do it? You're telling it, come on, focus, but it keeps getting distracted or agitated by nonsense. And you go through this painful sort of mini war to rein it in, to settle it down and just concentrate on the thing. Wouldn't it be great if there was something that would ease or eliminate this process? I don't know, like something you put in your brain through your ears? That would be great. And the good news is that it does exist. It's called Brain.fm, which is this sonic platform that leverages science to create tunes specifically crafted to optimize brain performance for a specific task. Tunes that contain patterns that shift your brain state with something even more effective than binaural beats called neural entrainment so that you can more easily focus on that thing or lure you into the sleep that persistently eludes you. Personally, I notice it the most when I sit down to write. Typically, this experience floods me with anxiety and a near lethal dose of the big R resistance that Stephen Pressfield talks about. But now I pop on the headphones, I dial up brain.fm, click the focus feature, and the process becomes, I mean, look, writing is still hard, but now it really is so much easier to get into that state of flow and stay there. So if you're ready to unlock your focus and productivity, I've got a special offer just for you. I asked them to give my listeners 30 days free and you can get it at brain.fm slash richroll. I bet you'll love it just as much as I do. Anyway, that's it. Let's get into the interview. So proud uh, and inspired by this guy, uh, proud to call him a friend, a training partner, and very pleased to finally uh, bring his message to you guys. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, enjoy my little chat with Terenzo Bazzone. Oh, we're starting? Okay. Yeah, you can get, you can keep eating that pie <laughs> as you uh, throw, the, throw the props out. Oh my God, it's so good. It's pretty good. Uh, vegan chocolate strawberry pie over there. Got a little bit of superfruit for uh, for T man in the house. So um, it's boiling hot out, and we're in the uh, garage. So we're gonna we got to uh, we got to roll the door up. So and it's Sunday afternoon, which means there's a lot of uh, motorcycles out there. So everyone heading out towards Rockstore. Yeah, everyone. Well, exactly. <laughs> 
So uh, for the listener out there, if you if you hear uh, a lot of rumbling, there's not much I can do about it. We are building the new studio though, so we're going to be in. We're going to get all pro pretty soon, but right now it's homegrown. Well, I, I love riding. I was riding out this morning along Mulholland, and uh, it's ridiculous the amount of mo- motorbikes that went past. I couldn't believe it. And- yeah, you got to be careful. There's a um, clip up on YouTube that made the rounds. I don't know if you saw it. I tweeted it a while ago. It was several months ago. But um, you know how on Rockstore they have on the weekends the guys set up there and take the pictures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> And that's where all the like car clubs and motorcyclists love to ride up there because at the base there's this kind of what would you call it? It's like a restaurant bar at the bottom. It's very famous called Rock Store. Yeah, everyone hangs out. I doubt anyone ever eats there though. <laughs> I, I, there's quite a few people there, but like Jay Leno goes there every weekend, and there's just tons of motorcycles out front. It's kind of a um, landmark in LA. Like everybody stops in there, and uh, and on the weekends it's this cr- crazy number. Like you get the car clubs with like 20 Ferraris in a row or the Porsche clubs or even the little yeah. like kit cars or whatever. And they just come, you know, they come steaming up rock store. So I try to avoid that ride <laughs> on the weekend, but there was a YouTube clip where a guy was riding and he was, you know, it's pretty close to the top of rock store, like right at that, that, that hairpin bend, you know, okay. that last yeah. hairpin bend. Yeah. And a, a motorcyclist, uh, just couldn't, you know, was, was pinning it a little bit too hard. Oh. And just rear-ended this cyclist who went over the top of him. Oh, it was crazy. Geez. It was all on film. It was all on video too. Oh my god! I'll put the clip up in the show notes. So yeah, you got to be careful. Yeah, but so, I mean, it's cycling heaven around here. But there are a lot of motorcycles, and you get the guys who, I mean, the bikes that they make these days are so powerful. And you have the weekend riders who maybe aren't as experienced as they should be, or have a little bit more power between their legs than they need to have. And what's well, ridiculous? We were talking today and. One of the guys said they were at, going past the shop, and they said you can get a like a, a Ninja six hundred for like six thousand dollars, seven thousand mm-hmm. dollars, which is cheaper than you can buy a, a push bike. Right. And uh, but yeah, it's funny because you you ride past the rock store, the shop down the bottom, and that's where all the motorbikes park. So there's two hundred motorbikes. Yeah. And I just I was looking there, going, oh my god, if you're a first timer, a first time rolling off to the rock store. How the hell would you park your bike? Like you'd get yeah. it in there and you'd fall over and take down twenty bikes. It could could be, could yeah, be pretty funny. It's sort of like being a novice surfer and, and jumping out into a lineup where you have yeah. no business being, I guess. Yeah. And and yeah, and and some and and also when you have the guy there that's taking pictures, like, oh you oh, here's my moment, you know. Yeah. It's like a guy it's like shine. just guns it, you know, and like guys are going <laughs> over the edge like all the time. There's accidents all the time. Yeah. So, yeah. but it is it is training <clears throat> heaven. It's like ninety ninety to a hundred most days, and mm-hmm. like hilly everywhere, good canyons. I just I love it out here. The train the training is awesome. Don't don't like Mac always says. Don't yeah, pipe down. We don't want too many people uh, knowing about how sorry. good it is here. Uh, I lie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if anyone knows good. me, I'm a liar. Yeah, I was at. Um, I stopped into uh, the bike shop over in Agora the, uh, yesterday. Serious cycling. Oh, yeah. And I was talking to the owner over there, and he was talking about how he wants to get a Grand Fondo together for, I think, like February or something like that. Because the cycling around here is really great, and there's there's definitely organized rides, and you have, like, uh, they have the King of the Mountains Challenge where, you know, you do 10,000 feet over 100 miles, and there's some stuff like that, but there's no proper 
full grand fondo, you know, where they lay out, you know, like it's a big event. Yeah. So he wanted to do it and, and he was talking about how uh, then then the next day they would do a time trial. Oh, nice. <laughs> but he said he thought he was talking to George Hincapie who thought who, who was committed to doing it. And then he said, oh, yeah, and, and Terenzo you know, said that he might be into it. And I said, oh, yeah, I know Terenzo. I go, I don't know if he's around here in February, though. No, no. I went for a ride with the boys, and uh, there were a couple guys who, who were super strong. But, yeah, they were talking about it. So apparently all the all the pro cyclists come out here in the winter. But, right. But I'm back home because it's summer yeah, back, no, it's back summer, in New Zealand. It's summer there. I don't know if you want to yeah. be around here in February, but if you yeah. are, that would be good for all of us. Yeah, no, that's great. So, um so already today, what is it? It's like three thirty right now. You've already done your swim. You've done a ride. You took a nap, and you're going to run tonight. Yeah, and it's a bit of an bit of an easier day today. I've got a hard work. It's an easy day. Yeah, it's an easy day for the champ. We're two two weeks out from uh, seventy point three world champs in Vegas. Yeah, and uh, mm. yeah, I'm just just trying to get the legs ready, get them freshened up, and have a couple couple hard workouts where I can I can test the legs and and I guess bring them up to that peak peak condition right so you got a couple probably just a couple more hard days and a couple key workouts you got to get in to just tone it up yeah tomorrow monday is a pretty big day for me and then after that i'll i'll recover uh, and then maybe do do two or three moderate type workouts next weekend so mm-hmm. one week 10 days out from from the big race and yeah, then into taper time. All right. Well, before we, I want to get into all of that stuff, but um, let's just get let's 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 clear one thing up immediately because every time I have like a world class athlete on and I go to Twitter and I say tweet your questions, immediately it's like, what do you eat before a workout? What do you eat after a workout? What do you eat when you're on the bike? Like everybody <laughs> wants to know that kind of stuff. Like they want the secret sauce. So everybody's different. Everybody, I think everybody should find what works for them, and it's not going to be the same for everybody and. You know what you do is different than what I do, but everybody wants to know. So take us through a day. I want to go through a day in food, and I want to go through a day in training. Okay, okay. Um, so starting off, with <laughs> you're laughing food. as you're eating the vegan pie over there. Yeah, <laughs> the cacao. He's like, cho- how many calories vegan. is this? I'm like, well, it's a lot, but there's a lot of good superfood in there too. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's what all, all I'm thinking about is the superfood, the cacao, yeah. and the cacao. Yeah, everything. Well, yeah. well after, after your run tonight, you can uh, text me and let me know how it how it's settled. How it's set. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so basically, uh, I mean, a normal day, I wake up, um, eat a coffee or a green tea before I go swimming. I uh, usually wake up like I like my sleep, so I'll, I'll sleep in as long as I can. So there's not really mm-hmm. time for for breakfast before swimming. Um, yeah. So jump in the pool, do do a swim set. Uh, and you're you're really regular with the swim. I mean, you've been going. I don't know, five days a week or four. You know, yeah, pretty, pretty much most mornings. Yeah, five five days a week. Try to uh, between four and five thousand mm-hmm. meters or yards. And uh, yeah, I find that. I mean, and out of those five sessions, two of them are usually really hard, and the rest are are are, are moderate to easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, after swimming, I'll, I'll and then I'll, when you're during swim workout, you usually have a, a water bottle. Yeah, just do you have a, water in there, or do you ever put anything else in there? Um, de- depends how I'm doing, but yeah, I mean, you don't want to get too depleted. If, if I'm if I'm loaded up, I'll uh, I'll just yeah, just drink water. But if if I feel like the day before was a hard day and I lost some electrolytes, I'll put some some cliff cliff shot electrolyte drink inside there, and and yeah, that way you just keep your electrolytes coming in while mm-hmm. while you're training, so you don't don't get to a too depleted state. 
Right. But you're, you you don't you, you don't ever do I mean most of your swim workouts are four to five K. Like you never put in at least that I know, like these like big ten thousand yard swim days or anything like that. But you you're a solid swimmer i mean you're fast in the pool yeah i'm uh, i'm not andy potts and <laughs> when it comes mm. to racing but but most of the time i'm a front bunch swimmer i i did a few of the 810k workouts back when i was when i was swimming competitively and i've i've got enough of that to uh to to keep me mm-hmm. yeah I don't, I don't need to don't need to get any more insane um yeah but i i think the big thing for me with swimming now that i've i've built up my my base is just maintaining maintaining good technique and uh getting in those one to two, sometimes three hard swim workouts a week. Right. And I think, uh, you know, it's important for people to know, I mean, when we swim, you're, you always take the time to do, you know, do drill sessions and, you know, work on your technique. And, you know, what I always say with swimmers, because especially in triathlon, like I come from a swimming background too, but most people don't. And yeah. they come in and they, they have, you know, poor technique or, you know, up to fair or whatever, but they're so worried about getting their workout in or their five grand or their four grand. And the, a lot of times they'll just get in and swim without even any set, like just swim straight or yeah. they don't want to take, they don't want to take the step back and focus on the technique because they're worried, uh, well, I need my conditioning. But yeah, you I'm are. always like, no, you know, like if you would just do that for, if you would just not worry about your swim conditioning and work on technique for six months, you would have a quantum leap in your performance. Well, that's a big thing with swimming. You, you've, over the years, I've come to realize that it's, I mean, your fitness is, is okay, it's, it's a part of it, but the biggest part is, is your technique in the water and your feel in the water. Mm-hmm. So that's why, I mean, I swim five times a week. Sometimes it's. I mean, if I don't feel good, I'll do, I'll do a mile or two, two k's, mm-hmm. and and get out. But I'm in the water and working on that feel, and then if you keep that feel, it's it's a big advantage. And uh, and then the technique side of it, if you have good technique, there's, yeah, you can you can cut out on a lot of hard stuff you do, and, yeah, and worry about doing the hard stuff on the bike or the run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is weird with swimming. Um, I think more so than than cycling and running where. If you take a break and you don't do it, you really do lose that feel and, and you feel like you're floundering in the water. Even if you're yeah. fit from the other two sports, like you really do have to keep contact with that and, and it's about consistency as much as anything else. Yeah, exactly. All right, cool. So you get out of the pool. You, we usually meet 730 around there. So you're not sleeping in too much. Yeah, these guys like to sleep in. Back, <laughs> back home in, in New Zealand, I'll, uh, I'll swim at 530 or 6 o'clock in the morning. Because they want, because they want to meet early. Ah, uh, well, yeah, that's just the time. That's where it is. Yeah, I mean, when you're a professional athlete, you know, I mean, sleep is so important, and maybe you know, I, th- I think a lot of people overlook it. But like, if you're, I mean, if this is your job and this is what you, you know, your profession, like, you got to get those that sleep in. Like, waking up super early is not doesn't seem like it would serve that. Yeah, dude, I'm up at six o'clock waiting, waiting for you guys. Uh, yeah. I'm hanging around, oh, going, Jesus. yeah, these guys, where are they? <laughs> <laughs> um. No, but yeah, that's 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 the big thing. I guess the difference between professionals and amateurs is is we can spend more time recovering, and and that's why. I mean, we don't necessarily train harder or train longer, but we recover better. And so, I mean, good eight, nine, sometimes ten hours of sleep a night, yeah. and then uh, then a nap during the day, or or just feed up on the couch, mm-hmm. and and getting good food into you is is really important. Is it easy for you to crash and take a nap in the middle of the day? Um, I mean, if, if I'm really tired, I'll, I won't yeah. even remember hitting, hitting the pillow, but, but usually I, I mean, I get an hour of, of downtime. I'll, I'll close my eyes and, 
and and lie down if if I fall asleep it's great but if, mm-hmm. if not I'm I'm unwinding for for an hour. Right. All right, so swim practice is done. We usually grab a quick breakfast and then I go to work and you go get on your bike, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean breakfast can be anything from eggs and like eggs and salmon. Uh, oh, shame on you. <laughs> Sorry. We'll get you plant-based eventually. Yeah. I, 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 but I, I mean I definitely agree with, with the eating clean and, and I, I try and do that as much as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually – I guess kind of a personal thing, but I was actually realizing, well, thinking about it when I was on my way over here, sure, I didn't put any deodorant on, but the thing, I, I sweat a lot, but if yeah. I'm eating, if I'm eating really clean, my sweat doesn't smell, or at least doesn't it doesn't smell, smell to me. Right. <laughs> well, and if you're swimming, uh, swimming helps too. When you're in the pool every day, yeah, you don't the need chlorine. To, something about the chlorine, like you don't need a deodorant as much. Yeah. I don't know what that <laughs> is, but I don't know if that's good, but... <laughs> Uh, but yeah, when I'm back home, I'm, I'm actually sponsored by a company called uh, Kellogg. Well, Kellogg's, you guys have that company here, yeah. but um, they make a cereal yeah. brand called Nutrigrain, which you don't, which you don't get here. We don't, we don't have that here. Well, no, Kellogg's is a it's a Michigan, it's a United States company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and so it's only in mm-hmm. uh, New Zealand, Australia, and, and Asia they get this cereal called Nutrigrain, and it's oh, it's pretty good. It's quite delicious. A lot not, of sugar in it. And it's, uh, it's, it's not sugary enough for Americans to yeah. develop a palate for it, I guess. <laughs> but uh, I guess when I was born in South Africa, I actually grew up on, on Frosties, Frosted Flakes. Yeah. I used to love Tony the Tiger. I had a few of those <laughs> in my past. My, my brother, the monkey, he, is, he, was, uh, he was always into Cocoa Pops. So... Um, all right, so out on the bike. Yeah, what so are you doing? like, what's a typical bike workout for you when you're kind of ramping up to get ready for a race like what you're about to go um, into in Vegas? So usually I kind of I go between two two or three different bike workouts. Um, one of them is I, I call it like an anaerobic threshold workout where I work on the the shorter, harder efforts, so one minute to three minute if or one minute to five minute efforts. And uh, that's uh, kind of my anaerobic threshold power, so mm-hmm. really pushing and, and hurting, and usually try to get that into a three to four hour ride. And usually uh, try to do that on relatively flat terrain, right? Yeah, it makes. I mean, you you want to be going fast, and 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 being on the flat gives you a true indication of of where your power is. And I also try to do that workout on the same on the same loop every week, so mm-hmm. I can so the power is consistent and. Right, so usually you ride down to PCH and do it there, right? Uh, usually for that workout, do the loop, so through Hidden Valley over Potrero, mm-hmm. um, and then yeah, back down on the PCH, down, right and, down Los Posas, down to the yeah, Los right, Postas. right. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I haven't gone up Los Posas yet. No, it's that thing <laughs> pitches at like twenty six degrees or something like that. I think mm. it's fun to go down though. Yeah, yeah. And that's where those big big fires were uh, recently. Um, well, not recently, maybe what was that? Five or six months ago, maybe yeah. you you can see it's all torched when you go through there and down. Yeah, down by Channel Islands, the college down there. Uh, um, right. So, so all right. So that's one workout. Yeah, one workout. The other uh, this is probably my favorite workout, especially to do here is is a long ride. So anywhere between four and six hours, and try to get as many vertical meters uh, as you can in. And uh, I think my record is about I want to say. Ten thousand mm-hmm. uh, in, in six hours, ten thousand vertical feet. Yeah, it sounds um, like a lot, but around here, it's not. It's not that yeah. hard to do, right? But there's so many great canyons to ride up. Like, I mean, Latigo is about thirty-five minute climb. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got Stunt, Payuma. They're 
yeah, roughly 15 to 20, 25 minutes. Right. You're uh, a boy now. Have you done that one? No, I hear that's a... Uh, good. The pavement is chewed up there. It's kind of gravelly in places, not the, not the smoothest, but I think that's the longest climb. It's a good one. you got to do that one. You should do that one tomorrow. I hear De- Deer Creek is uh, Deer Creek. That's the steepest one. Deer Creek and Decker are the steepest. Okay. Yeah. And Tuna is really steep, too. Not too many people ride Tuna because it's, it's almost too steep to... Oh, yeah. It's crazy steep. I've been down there a couple yeah. times. And it's long. Um, Decker and Deer, and, uh, Deer Creek aren't, aren't quite as long. But, yeah, that, it will, it'll put the hurt on you yeah. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> so, all right, that's cool. So the, so the long rides and the interval rides, I mean, do you and, – and you do hill repeats once in a while, right? Like you did that Mecca uh, yeah, MX-12 uh, yeah, <laughs> workout. I yeah. watched that video. Um, yeah, so that's probably – that's one of my bread and butter workouts. Uh, do it on the bike and, and running is, is hill repeats. So for the bike, I'm looking at between 10 and 15 minutes where I sit around that half Ironman uh, race wattage mm-hmm. uh, with intensity and um, – and go between, I mean, early in the season, I'll do, do three to four. And later on in a build-up, I'll get up to uh, I mean, uh, maybe six to eight. Uh, sometimes I've done ten, but usually eight's where I, where I peak out at. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I do that workout running, it's usually about a five-minute effort. And, um, yeah, so anywhere between four and ten. Right. And what, what works for you on the bike in terms of cadence? I mean, you have like kind of the, you know, the guys like Lance Armstrong that are spinning super high cadence and then the Jan Ulrichs who are churning, you know, big gear <laughs> kind of thing. Like, is there, is there one of those that works better for you or? Uh, I, I mean, I used to be a 90 guy, sit around 90 uh, on the bike and running, but, but late over the past couple of years, I've been working on increasing my cadence a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, trying to, trying to race around that 95, 96. Area. I mean, it would seem like a higher cadence is less anaerobic and would set you up for a better run. And, I mean, if you're ch- if you're turning huge gears, that has more muscular fatigue. I would. Yeah, think. Well, that's that's the big thing. So pushing bigger gears, there's more. I mean, you de- depleting the glycogen stores in your muscles, but pushing a higher cadence, you're you you pay for it by your heart rate being slightly higher. Mm-hmm. So it's I mean, it's a catch twenty two. You either got a higher heart rate or or your muscles. But I've I've found over the years that that with half Ironman and, and Ironman distance races, it's not really your lungs that blow out; it's it's your legs that go first. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, and and what are you uh, eating and drinking on the bike? Ah, uh, so those you, training days. Yeah, on, on long rides, I'll so anything anything around three hours. I'll uh, I'll probably just just drink a couple of bottles of electrolyte drink, uh-huh. uh, and then the the hard the hard rides where I'm doing intervals, I'll uh, I'll get a couple of cliff shots in. Uh, but the long, longer rides, I'll, I'll, I'll try and simulate what I'll do in, in an Ironman race uh, where I'll have one cliff bar, uh, probably half a bar every hour for the first couple hours, and then I'll move to the cliff blocks and uh, probably have a couple couple packets of them. And mm-hmm. and if if I've blown or if I need some energy really quick, I'll, uh, I'll grab a couple of shots. Right, but you usually, I mean, from what I've observed, you – you're pretty good about starting to take the calories in early, like rather than waiting until you're hungry. Like you just, you haven't like literally every 20 minutes or 15 minutes or whatever, you're putting something in your mouth to just kind of keep, you know, I don't know what it is, maybe a hundred, 200 calories an hour or something like that. Yeah. Well, I mean the easiest calories to get in are calories through your drink bottle. And, uh, I mean, that's, that's quite easy, but, but the thing is riding for, for six hours, just drinking electrolyte drink and, uh, and 
Yeah. Yeah, and nothing else. Every, you know, yeah, like when you're day in, day out, day in, day out. Yeah, so it's, it's quite nice, and I'm, I'm quite fortunate to be sponsored by Cliff Bar, so there's there's a huge variety of different flavors mm-hmm. and, and whatnot that I can that I can experiment with. Do you ever stop and just eat lunch or, you know, get, you know, regular food in you? Uh, yeah, if, if I'm really tired and... And I need a break. I'll uh, I'll stop. And it's around lunchtime. I'll I'll stop. But I've made the mistake. I stopped at Nep- Neptune's Nest once down uh, uh, yeah, down along PCH, <laughs> and the, <laughs> the whole ride back, I had this reflux and felt you, horrible. So. What did you eat? Like uh, fried shrimp or something? There? No, no, I was, I was quite normal. I think it was just. Uh, what was it? It was like a tuna sandwich. Uh-huh. Yeah, but it just did not sit well. <laughs> but that's kind of like that. That restaurant is sort of perfectly positioned for like mid ride when you start to get hungry. So yeah, exactly. know, I found myself going in there and then looking around and going, "There's nothing I can eat here." I always wanted to hit up uh, one of those taco or the food trucks up the top of Zuma Beach. Then, mm-hmm. but it seems this last year that the food truck those yeah those trucks aren't there anymore. Oh, I haven't noticed. Yeah. Um, not as much construction, I guess, <laughs> you know. Um, and you're a guy who likes to train with with other people, kind of like Maca, right? Like you, you're always like, hey, where, you know, who's who's going to, you're always like sort of rallying the troops to, to come with you as opposed to like a lone wolf kind of guy. Yeah, well, I mean, the, I love triathlon and I, and I love training, but but there, there comes a stage where where you got to be able to enjoy it and and while I enjoy hurting myself, I, I much prefer it if there's someone mm-hmm. else out with me and I can make them hurt too. Um, yeah, so, I mean, over here, I'm, I'm quite lucky. I've got a couple I mean, a couple guys that are regular in the pool. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yourself, Rich, and uh, and friend, a Kiwi guy who lives up here, Aaron Franklin. Aaron. I tried to get him to come over here to sit in on the show, but he's he just got back from Thailand. He's too uh, jet-lagged. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was meant to swim this morning, but he uh, apparently was up at like 2 o'clock and right. in and out of consciousness all, all of yesterday. Um, and who have you been riding with? Uh, yeah, riding's been a little up and down. I've got um, a couple guys who, who I get out with on the weekend, Larry O'Shea and uh, Johnny Rocket. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know if that's his actual surname, but Johnny <laughs> he goes like a rocket. Uh, and yeah, that's yeah, that's that's about. It gets a little bit lonely during during the middle of the week, but right. Um, yeah, try and try and recruit no, recruit people where I can. It's all good. I wish I, I just I wish I was a little bit more fit and had a little bit more time to join you. Like that, what was that two years ago where I was riding with you and, it, and James? Uh, yeah, when I, pretty when consistently. I, when I first came up, yeah, you yeah, were, you were the man showing us. I all was the, all about it. Well, I was you know I was getting ready for a race, which is a little bit different than this year. But I'll be back out with you soon. Cool. Come back in February. You got to train up we'll for uh, Ultraman again. I'm thinking about it. You know, it's just. Uh, you know, trying to figure out how to balance everything is an evolving, you know, question. It's sort of like I, I definitely, you know, want to go back to Ultraman and I feel like I definitely have not had my best race there. It's really a question of like, you know, it, I have to devote so much time and energy and resources to that. And is that the best place for me to put all that energy? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. like all the time that I was training, now I'm doing podcasting, you know, I'm doing other <laughs> things and, and, uh, and kind of the message has become more important than the race results, you know, yeah, but exactly. like, but at the same time, I love it and I want to keep doing it. So I have to find a way to make all the pieces fit. And 
And, you know, this past year and a half, it's, it's just been about kind of trying to build a foundation to be able to kind of promote this message, you know, in a, in a broader way. And it's been great and amazing. And I wouldn't have had it any other way, but I had to sacrifice racing. You know, it's like, I don't want to race unless I'm full on, you know, yeah. like I, I'm like, I'm all in or I'm nothing, you know, and I, and, I hear and that, yeah. trying to, you know, and I always look at people that, race all the time and don't sweat whether they're in the greatest shape or not and just go and do it for the love of it. And part of me wants to be like that. And also part of me knows like, I'm, I'm just not wired that way. Like when I show up, like I'm, I want to be knowing in my heart and my head that I've done everything to like perform as well as I can. Not exactly. But also that keeps me from racing. You know, it's like, I want to, I don't know. I got to figure it out. <laughs> but, How much, um, what's the tra- like difference in training for an Ultraman versus an Ironman? I don't think that it's that different. I think yeah. the biggest difference is you don't have to run off the bike, right? Okay, so yeah. you, I think you have to do, I mean, the vol, there's only so much volume you can do without getting overtrained. Yeah, exactly. So there's a lot of zone to, you know, ramping up the volume very slowly. And certainly the runs um, progress to distances that you would never do training for an Ironman. You okay. know, like I'm going like, you know, a 40 mile run, a 45 mile run in training. You're not going to do that training for an Ironman. But I'm also yeah. not doing really very many bricks, you know, okay. so I don't have to have that, like, what's it feel like to get off your bike and immediately start running. Yeah. So it's different in that regard. Um, but 40 mile run that, I mean, how long that would knock your legs around? Pretty good. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, when I did it, the way that I've prepared over the, for the last couple ones, um, as I start to get in the months closer to the race, then I'll do these race simulation weekends um, progress that I'll, where I'll progress the volume. So like a couple, like maybe, I don't know, three months out, I'll do 70% of the race over a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then a month okay. later I'll do 80% of the race. You know, I'll just approximate the race. You know, I'll, I'll go for a long swim in the morning and do like a 70 mile bike. And then the next day on Saturday, it'll really long, you know, maybe 110 miles or something like that. And then I'll do a long run on Sunday and each of those gets longer until, like a month before the race, I've, I do like 90 to 95, 95% of the race distance. Okay. At least that's the way I've done it in the past. Um, so that, you know, that's different than an Ironman for sure. And, but when I first did it, it was really just about developing like a huge aerobic base and I didn't do very much intensity, but now with a couple of years of that under my belt, now it's shifted to, you know, a little bit more interval based training than I did in the past. Okay. But I definitely noticed that I do better with the the volume than I do with intensity. And that was the way it was when I was a swimmer too. I mean, I just okay. think it's my biology or whatever. <clears throat> but, but, uh, you know, I, other than that, I don't think it's, you know, it's just, you got to swim, bike and run a lot. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Basically there's no way around <laughs> it really. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, uh, but you're not, you're not doing a lot of huge tempo runs and stuff like that because it's like if you can run the Ultraman double marathon on day three, if you're holding like 745, eight-minute pace and you can just maintain that all day, yeah. like you're killing it. You know what I mean? You don't have to run that fast. You just have to be able to not slow down. you got to be efficient in that. Yeah, you got to be incredibly efficient and you just got to be able to go all day. We're brought to you today by Seed. Gut health is all the rage. There's good reason for that. I've probably devoted, I don't know, at least a dozen episodes of this podcast to 
the many, many crucial ways the microbiome contributes to your overall well-being or lack thereof, and to the many diet and lifestyle protocols we should all adopt to promote gut health, from fermented food to fiber and everything in between, including, of course, the importance of supplementing with a probiotic. And the one that I have come to trust far beyond the shenanigans of the supplement world is Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. It's the most solid, science-based, and rigorously evidence-backed probiotic and prebiotic on the market. Formulated for optimal digestion, gut immune function, gut barrier integrity, skin health. In fact, my 16-year-old daughter has been using it to clear up a significant acne issue, and it's been wonderful, as well as many other systemic benefits. Like I said, I've been taking it daily, personally, for years. I love it. My body loves it. And right now, for our listener community, Seed is offering 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Visit seed.com slash richroll and use the code richroll25 to redeem this offer. That's seed.com slash richroll or code richroll25. We're brought to you today by recovery.com. I've been in recovery for a long time. It's not hyperbolic to say that I owe everything good in my life to sobriety. And it all began with treatment and experience that I had that quite literally saved my life. And in the many years since, I've in turn helped many suffering addicts and their loved ones find treatment. And with that, I know all too well just how confusing and how overwhelming and how challenging it can be to find the right place and the right level of care, especially because unfortunately, not all treatment resources adhere to ethical practices. It's a real problem, a problem I'm now happy and proud to share has been solved by the people at recovery.com who created an online support portal designed to guide, to support, and empower you to find the ideal level of care tailored to your personal needs. They've partnered with the best global behavioral health providers to cover the full spectrum of behavioral health disorders, including substance use disorders, depression, anxiety, eating disorders, gambling addictions, and more. Navigating their site is simple, search by insurance coverage, location, treatment type, you name it. Plus, you can read reviews from former patients to help you decide. Whether you're a busy exec, a parent of a struggling teen, or battling addiction yourself, I feel you. I empathize with you. I really do. And they have treatment options for you. Life in recovery is wonderful, and recovery.com is your partner in starting that journey. When you or a loved one need help, go to recovery.com and take the first step towards recovery. To find the best treatment option for you or a loved one, again, go to recovery.com. What is the meaning of life? What happens when we die? What is our purpose here? If like me, you ponder these delicious existential questions, I have got just the thing for you. It's called Soul Boom. It's a podcast hosted by everyone's favorite best friend and my friend, the deep thinking and deeply hilarious Rain Wilson, where he communes with intellectuals and entertainers, theologians and philosophers in intimate exchanges that tickle the mind, heart, and yes, the soul. Subscribe to Soul Boom on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media.
But anyway, man, yeah, I feel bad. Like I feel like uh, I've deprived you of some uh, companionship out there. But I also don't want to go out there and, and slow you down either. It's okay. I got my imaginary friends. I try. And uh, and you're kind of like uh, it's it's funny because you know you're Kiwi through and through. Um, but you're kind of this global citizen where you, you know, you sort of live in all these different places and you come to, you you come to LA for a certain number of months every year and you're in Portland. And I mean, what is that like to kind of always be relocating and particularly now that you're married? Well, I mean, New Zealand's obviously home. I mean, I, I have a house there, but, but long term, I, I would definitely like to look at, uh, having, having a house here mm-hmm. where, where I live for six months because I'm pretty much on the road six months and at home six months. Right. Well, um, I told you we're going to put some yurts in the backyard. So yeah. All I need is a little teepee or a hammock. And <laughs> <laughs> we'll get Wi-Fi in yeah, there for you. And Julie to cook for me. I'll be yeah. sorted. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my, my dad's, uh, he's half Italian, half French. Uh, my mom's half South African, half Lebanese. I was born in South Africa. Moved to New Zealand when I was, uh, I want to say, 11 years old. And um, and basically for the last six years, I've been spending half the year in New Zealand, half mm-hmm. the year pretty much based out of out of America. I usually spend my time between L.A. and, uh, and Portland, Oregon. Uh, yeah, love it up in Portland. The, the yeah, what's training. it like? What's the difference in training up there versus training down here? Well, Other the, than the, it's hotter down here. Yeah, but the thing is uh, Portland has a month where it's – it's about the same climate as here, a little bit more mm-hmm. humid. Uh, but tra- training is really good. The the running is unreal. There's uh, Forest Park. There's a couple couple trails along there. One's called Leaf. Uh, the other one, Wildwood. And then uh, Salzman is where I do my hill repeats. It's a four-mile hill, so you can make mm-hmm. the hill repeats as long as you want. Uh, my brother actually went to university up there, so that's how I... Oh, so that's the I, connection. Yeah, but... Does uh, he still live there? No, he's uh, he's actually in Australia. Oh. Um but yeah, so I, I started training there, and actually one of my buddies that I trained with in Canada a few years prior to that, Chris Boudreau, he um, he started a bike shop, and um, yeah, so they athletes That's lounge, athletes lounge yeah, right? Athletes uh-huh. lounge, they they sponsor me, and and he's a great training partner. I mean, I, this this year I, w- I was up there for a few weeks, and it's amazing to see how much he's developed as an athlete. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was push pushing me along on the bike and running. Um, and he's co- he, I believe he coaches my friend Christian Isaacson, who just uh, did Iron or Ultraman Canada and is getting ready for Ultraman in Hawaii. Yeah, sounds and, right. Yeah, and he did quite well. So cool, it's cool. So yeah, whatever Chris has given him to do seems to be working. Yeah, Chris is pretty clued up. He's, he's I mean, he's super passionate about the sport. And uh, but yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm just, I, I'm really fortunate to be able to spend so much time uh, on seeing the world. Uh, but the other side of it is it does get hard being away from home or living out of a suitcase. So that's why ultimately having, having a place up here in the Northern hemisphere would be ideal. So you don't feel like you're living like a nomad for, for six months of the year. And Mm -hmm. for some reason I I got married at the end of last year. And for some reason just traveling this year has just seemed so much harder. It's probably just a state of mind, but, um, yeah, so my my wife Kelly, settling she was, down. She was meant to be coming up in in a couple of weeks just before Vegas, but she uh, I was I was a little bit homesick, so she 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 changed up everything back home, which which was pretty impressive because she's got her own uh, handbag and jewelry business, mm-hmm. Zabana. And what's uh, the uh, what's the website for that so I can put it in? Yeah, the show sure. Notes. Zabana Z A B B A N A dot com. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, she was meant to have like a two week sailing trip on the North and South Island, and uh, yeah, so. She crammed it all into into four days, and she gets on a plane tonight and uh, and comes up. So I'm oh, looking forward to go. seeing her. 
Yeah. Dedication. <laughs> you have to you have to be over here to escape the paparazzi in New Zealand. Oh yeah, yeah. We'll find They're stalking you down everywhere. <laughs> nah. No, I have to say, um I was looking at the downloads for for this show the other day and uh Obviously, the most are in the U.S., but after that, it's New Zealand, man. Huge audience for the podcast in New Zealand. Oh, uh, New Zealand's great. It's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's the the country is is very clean. Uh, pe- there's a lot of people that are passionate about the sport, not and not only triathlon. They're passionate about all sports, and uh, they're also passionate about their health and and eating healthy and being healthy and and living healthy and. Uh, and that complete package. So it's 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 a great place to live, and it's it's amazing to be around people who are just so passionate about about their 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 own health. Yeah, I love it. I love you, New Zealand. I see pictures of you know these amazing places there, and I'm just if I ever visited there, I don't know if I'd come back. You know? <laughs> yeah, I, I know a few people have uh, have come like down. Like Monica, not not to come back. Yeah. Um, but all right, so let's get through the food thing. So oh, yeah, yeah, I about that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you finished so, a long ride. What are you eating so, for? Uh, what are you eating for lunch? Yeah, the so, mystery will be revealed. It's it's going to be really compelling. Yeah, join everyone. us right after this short commercial break. Yeah. Um, so lunch is either usually a big tuna salad, um, a couple cans of tuna, and uh, a salad just with all different as many vegetables as I can get in there, uh, or a smoked salmon avocado sandwich. Um, that's usually lunch. Uh, sometimes during the day, especially when I'm training hard, I'll have a protein shake, so a little bit of uh, protein powder, um, cacao powder, maca powder, chia mm-hmm. seeds, um, almond milk, shake that. Right. Green, green superfood powder. Right. And, uh, yeah, so I'll do that during the day and, um, and then usually a run sometime. Probably, I mean, if it's a big bike day, I'll do a run in the afternoon. Uh, usually 40 minutes to an hour on, on big bike days, and that's a little bit technique-focused. Uh, maybe I'll do a few little stride-outs or accelerations. Um, and then uh, if I run in the – if I if it's not a hard bike day, if it's a hard run day, I'll usually run in the morning. Uh, so long runs, usually about two hours, mm-hmm. either do my hill efforts or, uh, or like 1K repeats, so mm-hmm. between 6 and 8 by 1K. Um, but usually you do the run, you try to schedule the run starts boiling hot. You're sweating like crazy. <laughs> Nothing I could do. We don't have AC in here. Sorry about that. Um, usually, I mean, it's I would imagine just based on observing you, uh, you know, you, you, usually your runs are on tired legs. You know, it's like, you never like, it's rare that you wake up and do your run first, right? Unless you're doing a super like. Um, I don't know, like tempo or technique oriented run. No, if I'm, if I usually, I mean, if it's a, if it's a key run day, I'll do it. I'll try and have my legs a little bit fresher. Uh, I mean, they're never totally fresh because the day before right. was probably a hard bike day. Um, but that way, if you do it a little bit fresher, you can get a little bit more from the workout, and and also it doesn't knock you around as much, and and you can recover a little better. Mm-hmm. So that's why, yeah, I find I mean, you don't you do want to train hard, but you don't want to put yourself in in a hole that. That you can't get out of, cause, right? And how many? How often do you do like strict bricks where you're just like immediately off the bike? You're running, um, maybe once a week. Mm-hmm. So it's not. I mean, I've I've fr- from early on in my career, I, I experimented a bit and and noticed if I, I mean, for a long bike ride and jumped off and, and went for a run, or or you finish your long bike ride, get some food in you, have a nap, and then go for a run later on in the day. You, the transition feeling is 
it's actually more of a transition feeling if you wait till later in the day because you the blood you've accumulated is, all that yeah, the yeah. Fatigue interesting in. so that's why I'm, I'm I mean it, it is good to to get those workouts done especially when if you're new in the sport and starting out in the sport get those transition workouts done or brick workouts done quite a few times but for me I find I just get it, I get the same amount of benefit interesting and yeah. you've had I mean you've had to deal with some run related injuries right I mean the other year you were kind of out for quite a bit yeah. kind of struggling with uh you Achilles. know something that wouldn't go away and <laughs> And so, you know, being cautious and judicious with your running, I would imagine, is kind of forefront in your mind all the time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's the thing. As as pro athletes, well, even as amateur athletes, we're, we're as triathletes, we're always pushing pushing the limits and, and seeing what what the human body, what our human body can uh, can withstand. And and I, mean, I just, I guess, I just tipped the scale a little too much. I, uh, I actually, I remember the workout where I wrecked my Achilles quite vividly. It was. I had a super hard bike ride in the morning and uh, then recovered and in the afternoon did a track workout, was doing some 400s at uh, like 60, 62 to 64 second laps mm-hmm. and, and it was just a little bit too much and yeah, felt felt the Achilles go and instead of listening to my body and saying, okay, that's, just call it a day and go chill out, I, I pushed through three more 400s and, uh, mm. and that was probably the icing on the cake and I struggled for about eight months with with that uh, Achilles and right. just couldn't get going, so ended up resorting to surgery. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now is it? It's all fine. Yeah, touch wood. It's a hundred percent. And um, yeah, but the thing is, you learn you learn about your body, and there's and you you have to with what we we put our bodies through. You have to do. You have to look after it. You have to do um, maintenance work. So good massage, good recovery, and you also there's certain areas where each individual has different areas where they need to look after strengthening and uh, so I've, I've learned what areas I need to strengthen uh, glutes are a big thing and and calves so I do uh, eccentric calf raises quite a few times a day mm-hmm. and um, and I find if I do that it's it's pretty good maintenance and, and keeps me in working order yeah I mean you seem to be really conscientious about those other those little things outside of swim bike and run to to keep you healthy. I know you're always talking about massage <laughs> <laughs> but uh I mean, but you're not like a big weight room guy either though i mean are you, but so what do you do strength in the off season or or what other kind of stuff other than you know swim bike run um well i mean i I went through early on in my career i did did a lot of Pilates. And I think that actually gave me quite a good good grounding uh, mm-hmm. and and looked after my body quite a bit. But I just found I mean, when you get older, you just you just don't have as much energy and don't have as much time to. Oh, to you're really so old man. Don't even, <laughs> dude. If we look at uh, look you at, were born the year I graduated from high school. Yeah, so. but the thing is, I've been doing the sport probably <laughs> yeah, as long as you. <laughs> no, you've been doing it a lot longer than I have. Uh, yeah, so I mean, I did, did Pilates, and then a couple of years ago, I, after my Achilles, I actually went went to the gym. had a had a trainer, Sean Hughes, who helped me out a bit, and uh, we did a lot of TRX stuff. And he introduced me to trigger points and and all that stuff. And all the core. But the core. thing was, I, I would turn up at the gym, and I would be fried from from training. And it was, and I didn't want to do the gym at the beginning of the day because that would fry me for for the other for my biking and running. So I'd turn up at the gym, and and uh, yeah, I, I mean, I would be. Useless. Useless. Yeah. <laughs> Try balance on one leg after you've biked for five hours and uh-huh. for an hour. It's hard to find, you know, the balance and and how to make all that stuff, you know, fit in and work. And oh, it's definitely a juggling act. Uh-huh. But that's that's the cool thing about it. Like you you experiment over the years with okay. Well, I mean, swimming 
swimming, put swimming one side, but with your biking and your running, if if you do if you do this much biking and and this much running, what's going to happen to to the other discipline? And uh, and that's and with your nutrition, if you alter your nutrition, what happens? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what happens to your recovery? What happens to you? How you feel and and your strength? So that's that's the cool thing about triathlon is just it's just never ending with you're constantly you can, doing experiments on yourself yeah exactly i mean how has your training evolved over the years um you know what what were you doing differently previously and you know what didn't work what seems to be working now well that's the thing we i mean i guess training over the years i've i've t- I, I have workouts that i like that and yeah, they work for me, and or at least I think they work for me because I've done the workout, and, and at the end of the training block had had a good race. So I'll, I'll keep certain workouts and and put them in, and uh, and some workouts fit better at different times of the year, uh, and I'll just trash workouts that 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 I found didn't work or took too much energy or took mm-hmm. too much willpower to get through, and um, yeah, so I guess my, I mean my key workouts are the hill efforts on the bike and running. Mm-hmm. Um, anaerobic threshold stuff, so the one to five minute efforts on the bike and the one k reps on the run. And, and then, and does that does that change? I mean, like you know, when it's sort of off season or early season, I would imagine you're doing less of that and more just kind of base training, base miles, or no? Um, I mean, the thing with the Achilles, with with that being a problem, I I've decided that I I try and keep a little bit of speed work in running all throughout the year. Um, just, I mean, sometimes it's, it's not much speed work, but it's just, just, just a little bit right. there to keep, keep the tendons and the muscles stretched out. Um, and then in early season, the base stuff, probably there's more hill effort type work and, and that's when I'll do probably less repeats, but, oh, sorry, more repeats, but less intensity and, uh, mm-hmm. and just build that strength, build that, build that good base. What do you notice, you know, when you go to all these races and you're always traveling, you, I don't know, it seems like you do a race like every second or third weekend. And, and obviously most people at these races are, are amateur triathletes. Do you, you know, what do you see, like, what are some of the common mistakes that you see in people kind of in the days before a race or in, uh, you know, in their actual racing that you're like, oh, don't they know that if they just did this, that it would be so much easier for them or better for them? I mean, like, <laughs> you know, there's got to be things that, that you see that could be helpful to somebody who's listening out there who might not know. Well, I guess the, the big thing with racing is uh, is when it comes down, <laughs> down to pacing. Um, I mean, some, some of the guys just, they get carried away on the bike. They uh, And I think that they, they, everyone knows going into a half Ironman, I got to, uh, I got to pace myself. I, I, I know mm-hmm. my limits. This is what I have to ride at. But their buddy comes flying past them at the start of the bike, and they're like, "I'm not going to let him get away." So I'm going to, I'm going to give everything to, to keep up with him. Or, um, yeah, so they'll push the bike too hard and, and have a bad run, or they'll won't ride hard enough and have a great run. So you speak to them after the race, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I swam really well. I biked really badly, but I ran well. Mm-hmm. Or I swam and biked really good. My swim bike was great, but but my run was wasn't great." Right. So oh, I don't know what happened on the run. Yeah. <laughs> I rode like two minutes slower than right. you. Well, you were 25% above your, you know, watt threshold that you usually ride. Um, I think that has to do with experience and, and confidence. Like if you really are secure in your preparation and you know, you know what you need to do, then you should be unaffected by what somebody around you is doing. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's, it's a long day. It's, I mean, for, for the pros, it's four hours for the amateurs. It's anywhere up to six, seven, eight hours. Mm-hmm. So being able to know what, what your body is capable of and sticking to your race plan will get you to the finish line as, as quick as possible. And, 
And that's, yeah, that's, but you have to balance that also against the idea of saying like sort of going into a racing, this is what I know I'm capable of. Sometimes, you know, how do you break that glass ceiling and perform? Sometimes you got to go for it, you know, like to have that day, but you just have to know when the moment is to. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, you, you want to be pushing, pushing the limits. And I mean, if you, if you stick five years and stick, stick to your same race plan as five years ago, then you're not really improving. You're, mm-hmm. you're staying the same. So you definitely want to try and evolve and, and set new new barriers. But, um, but yeah, going to the race and say, okay, I'm going to ride at this pace or this power or, or this heart rate and, and see what happens on the run. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, the 70.3 distance is so tricky because, I mean, for somebody of your caliber, um, I mean, you really have to be on the rivet the entire time. You know, like you're you're pushing like the envelope for a very long period of time. Like in an Ironman, you can't do that, right? Like so, the pain threshold is, is <laughs> way higher at the seventy point three distance, right? Well, I, I, that's why I love the distance so much. Uh, coming from ITU racing, Olympic distance background, where you're you're redlining it for for an hour forty five, uh, and then stepping up to to half Ironman, it's it's a great distance because it. I've always enjoyed training more, so longer training rides, longer training runs, and and the half Ironman seems to suit me really well because I it's a good test of your endurance and it's also a test of of how fast you are. Mm-hmm. But the thing with even Ironman is as the sport evolves, all the short course guys, the guys who are, who I was racing back in the ITU days, they're moving up, are, are moving up, and and that's how the sport's getting faster and faster. So even Ironman isn't isn't a all aerobic day is mm-hmm. there's definitely a lot of push going on out there. Right, right. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot more cat and mouse on the bike, I think, than than meets the eye when yeah. you're when you're way up at the front, right? Yeah. I, I mean, mean Maka talks about that all the time. Well he's he's the king of it. he <laughs> he plays uh, yeah. I mean he plays the game really well and uh and and he's he's strong enough to be able to to be able to do that. But a lot of guys if they try and Try and play the game. Try and try and control the race the way he does. I I'm going to pay for it big time mm-hmm. on the run. Right. When you're when you're out training or or even when you're racing, I mean, how much how much energy do you devote to thinking about your competition? Like you're going into a race. Like okay, I know I have these 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 are the three guys I I kind of have to worry about. Um, I mean, is it does that enter into like your training calculus, or do you just focus on you know your thing? Um, you're probably not so much my training. Uh, yeah, my competitors don't, don't really influence my training. Uh, the course definitely does. Um, but, but coming into a race, I'll, I'll, I'll look at who's racing and, and I'll, I'll look at their strengths and weaknesses and, and see how they will, how they, they play into my race plan and, mm-hmm. and see where I can use them or where I need to watch out for them. And it's, it's definitely important to, to know your, your competition strengths and weaknesses. Right. So, so for example, um, you know, I think it was it last year or the year before where it was like you and Chris Lieto were like, you know, tick and tack and a whole bunch of races back to back. And so obviously he's a guy who's super strong on the bike. So when you're going into a race, you know, you're going to race him. What is that like? So how do you, you know, what's the approach then? Like, do you let him go on the bike or you're just like, I have to keep, I just have to make sure his gap isn't more than this or well, or you, don't, you don't have to tell me your trade secret if you don't uh, know. For, for me, it'd be suicide trying yeah. to ride with Lieto. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, with with guys, I mean, strong riders like Lieto, he's he's a quick rider, and and generally you could look at 
the racing, okay, I can afford to give him this much this mm-hmm. much time. Or if I ride at this power output, it's gonna gonna give me the best opportunity to run fast. And and if you work it well, then it comes it, it can come down to the wire at times. Right. But but hopefully you have a little more in the tank. But the thing with with leaving it at at that, there's there's times where these guys that that push the bike really hard actually get off and 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 have good runs. And Sebastian Keenley was mm-hmm. was a key example of that last year in, in right. Vegas. So, I mean he. He came out the water four minutes back, got off the bike two or three minutes up the road, and and ran only a minute and a half slower than than uh, yeah, Crowe and and Tim O'Donnell and right and all those guys. So you know, I mean, you, you know, you just you never know whether someone's going to have a cracker or not. You know, exactly. I guess right. Yeah. So you can't you can't ever give anyone too much of too much leeway. No, but there's also so much. There's only so much you can control too. I mean. Well, yeah, you you have to race your race, and mm-hmm. and if you, I mean, if you start, if yeah, if you start getting controlled by these other guys, then then they are in control, and and you're not racing your race, and and you lose that control, which 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 could cost you big time on the run. Mm-hmm. So we're two weeks out from Vegas, and this is your this is you know this race is what your season's all about, right? Like this is what you've been gearing up for. This is the focus. Yeah, well, last year was, I mean, recovery from the Achilles and, and getting mm-hmm. back into racing. And uh, finally, when, when August came around, I, I, I started getting my running strength back and my running legs. And, start, and I, I knew I had to, had to push, it, push myself a couple times to, to bring up my performance before Vegas. And I did something that was really risky, but uh, if, it, if it paid off, it, it would have worked well because in the past when I raced a lot, it, it, I, I seemed to step up. So. Mm-hmm. I came up from New Zealand, raced 70.3 Brazil, and then jumped over to 70.3 Ireland, which was a bit of a trip, and uh, and came back for for Vegas the following week, and and just yeah picked up picked up a bit of a bug coming coming back, right? Uh, which yeah, which meant I couldn't I couldn't stand on the start line. So there's definitely a big part of me that that wants to that wants to perform well this year, and it has been a big goal of mine. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah. It's all lining up. So you've got three wins this season, three seventy point three wins. Two, two, two wins, two seconds. Two wins, two seconds, and uh-huh. two thirds. I got one. Right. One of the seconds was ITU Long Course World Champs. And, uh-huh. mm-hmm. and then, um, and last weekend, and l- last weekend you pulled out, right? Yeah. Race, so what was going? On, what was going on? Ah, uh, so yeah, Timberman seventy point three over on the over on the east coast up in New Hampshire, Lake Winnipesaukee. Yeah, so I went to summer camp up there <laughs> when I was a kid. Be a cool it's place. It's beautiful to hang up out. there. Oh yeah, yeah, it's great. It's very much like home. Remind me a lot of home. All the, oh, all really? the trees and rolling hills. It's a great place for a race. Yeah. Yeah. So what was going on? Um. Well, yeah. I mean, I had a had a pretty good swim and and jumped on the bike. I'd, I'd done quite a bit of training the the weeks leading in and. Actually, I arrived on Thursday. We stopped and got some food. Driving, driving up to New Hampshire, and uh, that night I was just just ill all night. Had uh, uh, really? a little bit of food poisoning, which probably slowed down my recovery a little bit, and uh, and took a little bit out of the tank. And yeah, just got on the bike after after the swim and the race. And Andy Post was about a minute up the road, and uh, there were a couple guys, Leon Griffin and uh, Mark Bosted, uh, chasing from behind, and and I just had nothing. My legs were. My legs were just dead. It felt like I was mm-hmm. I was pedaling with someone else's legs, and uh, I mean I, I hate to pull out of races, but it was it was a dis- tough decision I had to make. I mean, Vegas is is my main goal, and and I knew if I struggled through the race, it, 
it wouldn't do any good for my body. It would uh, probably put me in, in a deep, deeper, darker space. So I, right. I had to make the decision to pull out. Oh, I think it was the right decision. You know, there's it's, there's that weird thing where it's like, well, all the amateurs are out there, so you know, you owe it to them to finish. And it's like finishing is not an issue. You know, for, you know, it's like you're a professional. You're devoting your entire life to this, and you have big goals, and you've got to do what's in your best interest to see that through and achieve what you've set out to achieve. And Vegas is the priority. And, you know, I think you made the right decision. Yeah, it's great. And I mean, it seems like a lot of people, a lot of people understood that and, and supported my decision. But yeah, it was really cool. I, I mean, I pulled out of the race, but I, I jumped on the side of the road and, and watched everyone go past and watched everyone on the run. And uh-huh. uh, a few guys again gave me a hard time, but, but it was, it was cool uh-huh. just to be able to cheer for, for the amateurs going past and, and just see their faces. They were just, I mean, they were all over this race. They, they loved it. And, mm-hmm. and it just it gives you more, more meaning in, in the sport. And it's great to see so many people that, that are loving the sport that, yeah, that I mean, you can make a living from. That's, what, that's what's so special about triathlon. You know, it's the only sport really where the pros and the amateurs can mix it up like that. And the, the pros, I mean, I love it. You know, the pro, and the pros love it too to be at the finish line of the Ironmans at, you know, at midnight when the, you know, the final people are coming in. It's just, it's a pretty special thing. For sure. That's, I mean, that's the real inspiration for, for me. That's, that's what got me into Ironman racing is I was down at New Zealand at Nutrigrain Ironman in Telpo mm-hmm. and, um, I mean, my, my fondest memories are going down to the finish line and watching, watching the last finishes come in. And, and it's just amazing seeing people of different shapes and sizes and ages and, and everything come come down the finish line, and and it just goes to show if I mean if they can get through this race, which is horribly hard, I mean you can get through anything in life, and mm-hmm. uh, and it's just just a huge inspiration, and and I thank all the amateurs for for being such a big part of of what I do, and uh, yeah, it's just great to great to meet you guys along the road at at, at races, and uh, yeah, hope to hope to see you around a bit more. So, so let's talk about Iron Man a little bit. Um, Do we have to? You, we don't have to. <laughs> you don't want to talk about that? No, no it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I think there's a lot of interest in, you know, there's a lot of, you know, when's Torenzo going to race Kona again? And is that important to you? Is that a priority? Or have you just found your niche with 70.3? I mean, it seems to be the distance for you. I mean, you really excel at it. And, uh, and it allows you to race a lot, you know, race regularly and pursue your sport. Um, but you kind of, you know, you made a big bang at Ironman early on, and now you've kind of, you know, settled into 70.3. Is there is there an interest or a plan to return to the longer race? Or Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Kona is, is the pinnacle event. It's like the Tour de France of cycling mm-hmm. or the America's Cup of sailing. It's, it's uh, I mean, it's where every triathlete wants to have their day, and, and it's always been a goal and a dream of mine to to race there and, and to become the king of Kona, mm-hmm. and um, and that's still very much at the at the forefront of of what I want to do. Um, I just decided this year with with coming back from the Achilles problem and uh, in, and having a really tough day at Ironman New Zealand uh, this year, I thought you know what I'll just focus on the seventy point three stuff and and try fight for my my title back in Vegas for the 70.3 world championships and, um, and then, yeah, and then go from there. But the guys that are racing well at Kona are in their mid to late thirties. And, um, so I mean, I, I, I have a long career ahead of me and I just just need to make sure I, I do things right. And, uh, I mean, I've got a great team, great team of sponsors, great team, uh, support staff, my, my coaches and, and, uh, my family. And, uh, I just, yeah, I thank them and, 
and with them, I know that anything's possible. You'll be there. Oh, yeah, exactly. Not, it's, there's no doubt in my mind. You're, <laughs> you're a young, spry young man. Yeah, many, thanks, many years to get ready for that. And I have no doubt you'll be killing it there soon. Um, so who's, who are, who are the people that, uh, everyone's sort of looking at other than yourself at, in Vegas? Well, I think Sebastian Keenley is going to be, I mean, he's probably got, got the target on his back after, after last mm-hmm. year's performance. And for the um, listeners who don't know, he's, uh, he's, he's somewhat on the newer side of being on the scene, but he's an unbelievable cyclist. Oh, uh, uber biker, yeah. 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 And I was, I was reading somewhere that he does most of his cycling training on the road bike. Yeah, but he yeah. doesn't. He doesn't get on the TT bike all that often, which seems different. That seems distinct from most triathletes who spend most of their training time on the TT bike. I did a training camp up with him and uh, Ronnie and the Beast Milk crew up in Switzerland a couple of years ago. Yeah, he was he was all on his road bike, and uh-huh. uh, I mean, I yeah, I stick on stick on my TT bike for for most of my training, but uh, yeah, sometimes I mean, Argon eighteen is my bike sponsor, so mm-hmm. so I'm pretty fortunate to have a road bike as well. Which, which yeah, get out on. The early season or preseason, and keep up with the cycling boys up the hills. Right, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, he's. Uh, he, I think initially people were thinking, oh, he's just a, he's a, you know, he's just a pure cyclist phenom. But he put the run together pretty well in Vegas last year. So yeah, he did. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so there's him. Then so there's who, him. Who uh, I mean, Craig Alexander's always, always never a heard of him. Yeah. <laughs> All these bloody Australians. Um, uh now I mean Bevan Doherty, a Kiwi guy, he right. he could do he could do really well. Uh but the thing is a lot of the, these guys are racing Des Moines High V the um fifty one fifty mm-hmm. uh the week before that and that's the big prize money. Right, race. that's big money in that yeah, one. Yeah, big, big money and uh yeah, well, I've just found with 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 me I've found doing an Olympic distance race just takes a little bit a little bit of a zap out of your legs and uh I mean, last year, Greg Bennett, who raced really well at High V and who had a good year in the 70.3, uh, seeing, came to Vegas and, yeah, he just, he just had a really tough day. Right. So, yeah, I mean, there's, and there's, there's a lot of new guys on the scene. They used, a few years ago, there used to be half a dozen or, or a handful of guys that, that were, that were a threat, but now it's, the list goes, the list goes on and on, and uh, there's probably at least a dozen guys who could be fighting for for the podium. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome to watch, man. For sure, I'm looking forward to it. Um, when you sit down at the beginning of the year and try to decide which races you're gonna you're gonna do, I mean, what is you know, do you say, well, I'm going to do this many WTC 70.3s, and I'm going to do some Rev threes? Like, how do you make those decisions? Well, the Rev three guys are doing a great job putting on. Putting on world class, mm-hmm. world class races. Yeah, everyone with, loves those guys. And great the coverage. Races they're doing. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Um, but for me, when I sit down with my coach John Eckland at the beginning of the year, we we kind of plan the year and we look at what the big goals are, um, and then work back from from there basically, and uh, and look at when do when do, when should we be racing? Like, uh, what's ideal for for certain build ups and. And that's that's basically how we choose. Right. And then do you ever like call audibles and say, well, I, I was going to do this one, but I'm going to switch it up like mid-season, make changes to that? Or do you usually stick to what you set out at the beginning of the uh, year? Yeah, r- roughly stick to it. Um, there's probably one or two races through the year that I'll, that I'll change up. But yeah, the, the plan that we write at the beginning of the year is uh, usually pretty accurate and there'll, there'll be a few small changes, but... Yeah, pretty much stick to that. And and with your coach, I mean, how does that 
work? Does he give you every single one of your workouts and you do it over the internet or, or is it more of a kind of a general idea of what I want you to accomplish this week or? Ah, uh, well, John, John and I have actually, he's, he started coaching me when I first started in, in triathlon. So he's been with me the whole long time, the whole way mm-hmm. through. And, uh, yeah, we, we just have a great relationship. Um, what, what we do is, I mean, we, we, we sit down and t- at the beginning of each training block and, um, yeah, in the annual plan, we've identified what, what, what each training block is, uh, going to be focused around. And, and then in that, 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 uh, that, that particular training block, we'll, we'll look through what are the key workouts that need to go in there. Um, and then we talk every, every couple of days, uh, report in how my right. legs are doing, how I'm recovering. And we'll have to usually have to make small adjustments to the plan and uh, mm-hmm. either take out workouts or it's usually take out workouts now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But do you like upload them all to training peaks and then he looks at them or I mean, how do you, is that how it, the communication um, works? Well, I, I basically download, download the data and, and I, I mean, get average powers, average heart rates, average cadences and, and get that data across to him. And, uh, yeah, and we look we look okay. at that data and see how it how it changes from week to week from uh-huh. from training block to training block and uh, yeah. I'm super proud to announce my next venture, Voicing Change Media. This beautiful consortium of thinkers, storytellers, artists, and visionaries all committed to fostering meaningful exchanges and sharing thought-provoking content. Voicing Change Media will feature shows like The Proof with Simon Hill, Soul Boom with Rain Wilson, Mentor Buffet with Alexi Pappas, Feel Better Live More with Dr. Rangan Chatterjee, and The Conversation with Amanda Decadene. You can explore this network and all its offerings at voicingchange.media. There is so much health information out there. It can feel overwhelming and leave even the most well-intentioned confused about what's what and who to trust. Well, the first person that I call when I'm seeking clarity is my friend and nutrition expert, Simon Hill, host of the fantastic podcast, The Proof. Each week, Simon matches wits with brilliant scientists, translating their evidence-based insights into actionable tools for better well-being. Subscribe to The Proof, available wherever you get your podcasts, and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. You are listening to this podcast because you care about improving your health and your well-being. But this quest is incomplete if you have yet to add my friend Dr. Rangan Chatterjee's Feel Better, Live More podcast into your listening quiver. An RRP favorite and someone I'm personally quick to call when I'm in need of good advice. From nutrition to mindset, fitness, and relationships, each episode is packed with the tools you need to become the architect of your health. Subscribe to Feel Better, Live More, available wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. And when you're, when you're out training, I mean, are, are you a guy who's super into the technology, like just looking at your watts all the time and your heart rate and geeking out on the graphs or do you go more <sighs> by feel like, like, you know, I think everyone's a little bit different. I mean, you have, yeah, I think I'm somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Like, like Maca kind of doesn't seem to really feel like he needs all that stuff. And he's a purist in some regard. And then you have like a Jordan Rapp who's like an engineer and he's really into the, you know, really into like the technology part of it. 
Yeah, and uh, <clears> I mean, I definitely think both sides have have their pros. Um, I mean, Mako doing doing that, he gets to understand his body a lot more and 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 understand what what feel is. Um, where where Jordan or someone who looks at the numbers a lot can mm. can uh, can identify what areas they can develop on. Um, for me, I'm probably somewhere in the middle. I, I have an SRM, so I get my power data, and uh, and we've actually with through John and I. Well, John's actually developed uh, a formula to work out roughly what what power you run at, and um, so that way we oh, can. Wait, wait, hold on a second. Really? Like so? Yeah. How does that work? Explain that. That's interesting. Well, I guess because uh, well, the thing with with training that your heart rate is the amount of training you do, you become cardiovascularly suppressed, mm-hmm. and you get to the end of a hard week, and your heart rate doesn't doesn't go up. So it's a really hard indicator to show you what where you're at. Or yeah, it can be impacted by so many things, like your yeah. sleep, what you ate, how hot is it out, how exactly. tired are you. So it's not like you know watts are a little bit more. So having Regular. power is a is a direct correspondence to your output, and uh, so on the bike it's very accurate to have have a power meter, and on the run um, I guess the formula he created has has a little bit to do with uh, I guess uh, your weight, um, the gradient of the hill, or or if it's on the flat, and the speed you run, and basically that gives you gives you power. But yeah. So wait a minute. Oh, wait, I'm not following. So, so when you're running, so you you take these variables: grade, heart rate, weight, speed, I guess, or yeah. cadence, or whatever. So how do you? So then there's some mathematical formula that you put all that into it, and then it says this is what your power output like per stride is, or something, or the, yeah. the force that your foot well, is hitting the ground. Yeah, your, I guess your power output, mm-hmm. and um, so you can look at a run and say, well, my average using this calculation, my average power on the run is x yeah and then you can com- compare that to your other yeah ones. Oh, so that's it's pretty interesting it works quite well if you're doing a like hill repeats mm-hmm. so you take your weight take the gradient of the hill take the speed up the hill and that'll give you your your power output or if you're running 1ks on the track it's flat so you take your weight no gradient and and your speed and and this mm-hmm. is your your set power output interesting um, and yeah it's it's really interesting stuff and and he's been he spent a lot of time Developing this virtual coaching software, which is is not far from from coming out, so it'll be exciting when when that uh that yeah, becomes available. Yeah, I think there'll be, there'll be <laughs> quite a few people interested <laughs> in checking that out. I think that's yeah. that's really interesting. I'd never heard that before, but I guess that makes sense. I mean, I'd heard rumblings about coming up with some device uh, to measure power output per stroke when you're swimming, like okay. some kind of sensor on your hand or something like that. I don't know where I heard that. Oh, wow. I don't know. I would imagine that's still far away from being <laughs> real, but you know, it's it, swimming still is kind of the one pure thing where you don't have all the gadgets and the data, but it's starting to creep in with the underwater MP3 players and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's Did like, I feel like, goggles? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm purist in that just coming from a swimming background. It's like, that's the one place where you should just be, by yourself, I think, you know, yeah. alone with your thoughts <laughs> and the black line and the pace clock and Terenzo barking at you yeah, to yeah. go hurry faster. Up, up, What's the matter with you today? So, um, so uh, after Vegas, are you going to take a break or what, what happens after that? Uh, looking at doing Ironman Tahoe. Oh, wow. Um, nice. So it's a couple of weeks, weeks afterwards. Um, yeah, it's, the, I mean, at altitude, which mm-hmm. will be tough. But I That's just... going to be a very interesting race to watch. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. Yeah, I think I have a lot to learn over the Ironman distance and, and uh, yeah, do, doing another Ironman a little bit low-key. 
is yeah, I think I think will be good for me. Mm-hmm. And um, then after that, we've got a few friends and like my brother and my wife's sister and uh, and friends are coming up. It's actually my wife's thirtieth. You'll probably kill me for saying that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we're gonna go down to Mexico, hang out there for a week, and uh, have a little bit of a party in Vegas. And oh, um, nice. Head over to Kona and. And watch the big boys fight it out on the island. Yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah. Good times. Well, um, for Tahoe, so, I mean, your training really has been oriented around, you know, mastering 70.3. I mean, how different will you just go, like, how do you then switch gears to get ready for an Ironman race? I mean, how different is the training for Ironman for you than 70.3? Um, I mean, Ironman training definitely has a lot more, lot more bike mileage done in it. And uh, less intensity, uh, mm-hmm. and probably even a little bit more run mileage. But you know, with Vegas being my main goal, is I'm, I'm pretty much not thinking about Tahoe until right. until after until the after race. You get through and, that. Uh, yeah, so I'll, yeah, get that nailed, and then then we'll see what happens after that. Right. Well, I had to point out one guy. I tweeted uh, before the podcast, like, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm sitting now with Terenzo. Tweet your questions." And one guy named. Uh, John Paul Severin said, uh, how does it feel to get beat by 50-year-old guys in Agora on the bike? I was like, what's going on with that? Oh, that's his name. It's not Johnny Rocket. It's JP. Oh, uh, JP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So he's handing it to you. Do you have anything you want to tell him? Uh, yeah. Well, first of all, he's not 50. Uh, it was actually Soren rode with a, with a local guy who used to ride pro when, when he was younger, uh, Soren. And... Um, yeah, man, he's there's there's some really strong strong cyclists around here. Yeah, well, it's good. Yeah. So he's not fifty. He's 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 uh, hedging a little there, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, next time you see him out on the road, you should have some choice words for him. Yeah, hopefully I'll be in a car. <laughs> right. All right, good man. Well, I'm excited to see you race uh, in Vegas, and uh, I think you're gonna rock it, man. You're looking really fit, Thanks, solid. Much. I think it's all. I think you got all the pistons firing this year. Thank you. It's going to be good. So everybody, uh, look out for Big T. He's ready to unleash a big one in Vegas. So <laughs> cheers, guys. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming by. That was fun. Love Feel catching good. up. Love Any, hanging out. Anything else you want to uh, share? Well, I'm just going to go back to the kitchen and grab another Get slice some of <laughs> yeah, right. chocolate strawberry pie, and I'll be on my way. Cool. Okay. So um, for uh, people that want to find out a little bit more about Terenzo, he's on Twitter at, at Terenzo One. Yep. And uh, your website is uh, terenzo.blogspot.com, right? Yeah, just right? go terenzo.com. It'll yeah. redirect. And, and uh, you have a Facebook page, right? Yeah, facebook.com slash Terenzo Bazzoni. Oh, you know, there's one other thing I wanted to ask you about, which is that I know you do um, some stuff with some charities. Yeah. So you want to just uh, give them a little shout out and we can chat about that a little bit. Yeah, for I sure. I want to hear about that. Well, one of the, one of, I mean, I, so I'm, I'm strongly involved with youth charities, especially back home in New Zealand, and mm-hmm. uh, and I, I, mean, I, I strongly believe that 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 the youth are, are really important, and and how we mold their future de- determines determines what they'll become and, and the people they'll become. And um, I'm very fortunate. One of the charities is Life Education. Uh, it's a it's a learning learning uh, type project. They they have these learning capsules and and uh, and educators that go around to all the primary schools in, in New Zealand and. And teach kids about healthy, healthy living, being healthy, uh, what to put in your body, saying no to peer pressure, uh, all all really important life skills. And uh, they're, they're a great charity. They have a mascot called Harold, Harold the Giraffe, <laughs> and uh, actually race with a wristband with with Harold on it. And oh, cool. um, 
And then another charity is uh, What's Up, which is a youth line. Um, and back down in New Zealand, we have a really high rate of, of youth suicide. And, uh, and having helplines like 0800 What's Up gives, gives kids uh, an opportunity to reach out and, and talk to counsellors and, and hopefully help uh, yeah, help them with their problems. Cool. And uh, what, are there web? Do you know websites for both of those? Yeah, I think oh eight hundred whatsup dot com mm-hmm. and um, herald dot co dot nz. Herald dot co dot nz. <laughs> I like it. How old are you? <laughs> I'm not a teenager anymore. Uh, no, you're. How old are you? Uh, twenty eight. Twenty eight. Like yeah. if I had half the maturity that that you have when I was your age, I don't know what I would do. You're an inspiration, man. Uh, thanks, Rich. You're a fine young man. <laughs> no, no, I wish you only the best, man. Sweet, my All right, are we swimming tomorrow morning? Uh, no, not tomorrow. Got no, a hard, tomorrow. hard bike run workout. All right, Tuesday? Tuesday for sure, 7.30. Right, we'll do it. All right, man. I'll be sitting up at 6 o'clock waiting for waiting. For <laughs> no, come on. <laughs> Whatever. I'll see you there, man. Cool. All right. See ya. Thanks, man. Peace. Lance. Yeah.